happy to be here on a Sunday, on Easter Sunday morning. How many are happy to be here? All five of us? Welcome, welcome if you're here for the first time. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Bible. I'm actually the son of the founding pastor that just was up here earlier. So if you see a resemblance, uh, that's the reason why. Um, as I'm getting older, I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to look like my dad. But I look at, I look at pictures of uh, how he was at my age, and we're exactly the same. I'm like... But this past weekend, we played tennis, and I saw him beating everybody, and I thought, okay, uh, if that's my genetics, I'm happy with that, because, but I know I'm going to have to uh, work out a little bit more to be as strong as him. Anyway, uh, my name is John, and I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Bible. We're in the middle of a series called I Am, and it's, we're going over the seven I Ams of Jesus. And this Easter Sunday morning, we're covering... Uh, where Jesus said one of the most packed phrases in the Bible, one of the most meaningful statements that he's ever said. And he said, uh, let's read this together. This is uh, John 11, 25, 26. Jesus said, whoa, 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 wait, stop. Let me give some context for this uh, before Jesus said this. The context of this, this chapter is that Mary and Martha, they were one of the most beloved of Jesus. They lived in a town called Bethany. And their brother, Lazarus, just passed away. And they sent for Jesus to come, and they saw all the works that he did. They saw the miracles that he, he had performed, and they wanted him to come and help their brother get better before he passed away. And so they sent for him, and Jesus got word. And it says in, in uh, John 11 that after Jesus got word, he waited in the same place for two days. There was this emergency that he was needed at to help his friend that the scripture recorded that he loved. And instead of rushing over to that town, it said that he waited for two days. And then he started his journey, and it took another two days so that by the time he got to Bethany, Lazarus had passed away. And one of the, the, the most emotion-filled statements and the same statement that Mary and Martha both gave Jesus at different times was, Lord, if you had been here sooner, he would not have died. And in that statement, they were saying two things. They were saying, we believe in you. We know that you have power. We know that you are able. But why were you not willing? How many have ever had that question in their life? That you know that God is able. That you know that he has power. You know that he can heal. You know that he can deliver. But why were you not willing? How many have ever, honest, you can be honest on Easter Sunday. This is a perfect time to be honest. And they asked him this question. They said, Lord, if you had been here earlier, our brother would not have died. And Jesus' response was this response. And it's his response to you when you don't understand the circumstances and the tragedies of life and the disappointments and the discouragements, the death of dreams this is his response to every single one of us who know he is, he is able, but question why sometimes he's not willing. And this was his statement. Let's read this at the count of three. He said, and Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me 
shall never die. Jesus was saying this. He was saying, you might have a plan. You might have a dream. You may have something that you're holding on to that you want me to save. But if you believe in me and those things die, the promise is that even though these things die, yet shall you live. And his question to us this morning is, do you believe that? We're going to hear from a couple of, of testimonies of people who've experienced the power of God, the resurrection power of God, because this is the fact is that in the past, in, in our lifetime, when you're young and you're a teenager, everything is perfect, right? There's nothing wrong and you know everything. But once you start getting older and life happens and people around you get sick and you start experiencing people that you love dying and, and you have the, the burden of finances and all these different things on your shoulders, questions and doubts begin to, to surface. And in, in those doubts surfacing, we can easily begin to doubt God. But the foundation of our faith is not that we're going to have our best life now. The foundation of our faith is not that we're going to have a perfect life, but the foundation of our faith is that we're people of the resurrection, that though I die, yet shall I live. Amen? We believe in resurrection power. And because we believe in resurrection power, we do not need to fear death. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me Though he may die, he shall live. Let's pray. God, thank you, Lord, for this, this morning where thousands of people, two, two billion people strong across the planet are celebrating your resurrection today. And even though many have experienced death, death of loved ones, death of dreams, death of jobs, death of relationships in the past several years, God, we come before you as one who holds resurrection power that you said you are the resurrection and you are life. And so, God, we thank you, Lord, that you are here, and God, that you're ready to do miracles in our lives, that you have done miracles, you've been faithful in the past, and that you will be faithful in the future. We pray that you'd speak to us to this morning through your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Everyone loves the resurrection, but nobody loves the death before the resurrection. But to really appreciate resurrection power, you have to sometimes walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Amen? I remember uh, just the past, uh, it was this past November, I was in uh, Toronto, uh, not Toronto, I was in uh, Florida, Orlando, and we had this conference, and I thought I was young, because when I was young, I could eat anything I wanted to eat, but I was hungry, and we were stuck in the hotel, and I ate a cup of noodle right before I went to bed. And, and you might not think that that's a bad thing, but for me, it's a really bad thing because I'm super sensitive to MSG, and I forgot that I was. And I got this headache from hell. It was the most excruciating, painful headache that I have ever experienced in decades. And I remember I was inside the hotel room, and my son, he had eaten a cup of noodle, and he was sleeping peacefully on the side of me, and I was looking at him like, what the heck is wrong with you? Why are you not in pain? And, and I, I, I had all this pain I, with no... This is the thing. I, I thought I had my Advils because I always can take Advils. I opened up my... Ad, there was no Advils left. 
So I went downstairs to like try to buy some from the, the shop, and, and because there is an employee shortage, there's nobody to run the, the little shop down there, so I couldn't get my, my, my Advil. So then I went to Sharina, and I went to all the different people, and I'm like knocking on their doors, and they're fast asleep. It's like 1 o'clock, and I'm just like in pain. So I go back, and I'm like throwing up in the room, and I'm like, I just need Advil. I just need Advil. And, and so I'm lying down in my shower, like on the ground, just in excruciating pain, and then Early in the morning, 6 o'clock, I didn't get any sleep. I'm calling Zach. I'm like, Zach, please. I need Advil. <laughs> and so he goes, okay, I'll be there. Uh, and he, he comes up, and I'm curled up on the bed, just like in so much pain. And he goes, dude, are you okay? <laughs> just give me Advil. He's like, okay, here. Do you need anything? I said, just leave. He goes, okay. <laughs> and he left. And I took, the, I took it, and I was never more appreciative for painkillers, because I was in so much pain. Normally, I would just take it, and it would be nothing. But because I needed it so badly, I appreciated it so much. So it's the same in our lives. We talk about Jesus being the resurrection in life. But a lot of times, we don't appreciate him being the resurrection in life because we don't see the cost and the pain that all of us go through. Um, and he is the, the solution. All, so I want to look at the pain and what cause, causes the pain in our lives. The main cause for all of the pain in our lives is sin. Everyone say sin. Romans 3.23. And, and, and this is the thing. It's not the other person's sin. It's your sin. Turn to the person, neighbor, turn to the person sitting next to you and say, you're a sinner, and, and, and they say, but so am I. It's, that's the problem that we all face, is we all have pain, but we always look at the other person and say, it's your fault. This past week, I was, I was looking for my slippers, and I was so mad that I thought Mako stole my slippers, <laughs> our Japanese exchange student. No, I'm just joking. And, and I was like, where's my slippers? And I put a, a text in, in our group chat. I'm like, I can't find my slippers. Who took my slippers? And then I walked out the back door, and they were right where I put them, where I put them. And I was experiencing all of this anger and angst, and it was because, not of anybody else, but it was because of me. All, for all have sinned, every sin, all, and come short of the glory of God. If we all have sinned, if we all have had wrong thoughts, if we all have done wrong things, if we've all offended somebody else, there's a penalty for that. What's the penalty? Um, Isaiah 53, 6, it also says that we, we, we've all sinned. And, and what is sin? Isaiah 53 defines sin as this. Let's read this together. One, two, three. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All of us have sinned. And what is the result of sin? The result of sin is death. Let's read Romans 6.23 together. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.12 says this. Wherefore, as one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin... So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Every single one of us have sinned. Joyce 
came up and she shared a word after, after the worship. And it was, if you're going through pain, if you're going through suffering, if you're going through hurt, it wasn't because of God. God's the one that provides the solution for sin. But every pain, every sickness, every death, every hardship that we go through is because of our sin. It's because of our shortcomings. It's because we've gone astray, every single one of us, to our own way. We've never seen, or I've never seen, I'm, I'm 49 years old. I'm 49 years old. I've never seen the amount, and maybe just because I was never aware of it before, but we have this war in Ukraine. We have another war in, in Myanmar. We have, we have war in Afghanistan. We have China surrounding Taiwan. We have all of these different things happening abroad, but in our own country, we have a cold war of ideologies of the left and right. It's like we're in this cold civil war, and I've never seen such polarization in our nation before. And I think a lot of you would agree with me on that. But things have been worse. We have had a civil war where we actually killed each other. So no matter how bad it is, if, if we don't get there again, thank you, Jesus, if we don't get there again, we're still progressing. Amen? But we are in a place of our own sin. When, when we decide to kick God out of our classrooms and we decide to do things our own way and we say we want to be God, you know, there's, there's an end of the road to that. The end of the road is that we can choose whatever we want. And when we choose whatever we want, we get things that we actually didn't want. Lots of, the, lots of the things that we're experiencing now is a result of human greed. Uncontrolled spending in our personal lives and in legislature. Jobs that we can't find employees. Cost of living is increasing. How many of you have noticed that meat is getting kind of expensive? The whole, and because things are getting expensive, there's more stress. Stress produces more tension in the family. I'm just being real. How many of you have felt a little bit more tension in the family because of the rising cost of living? Man, that steak is expensive, so don't waste. I don't know how it <laughs> manifests in your home. But because things are getting more expensive, you feel this tension, and it, it affects our relationships. It affects our emotional health. Hawaii has the highest suicide rate in the nation out of all the states per capita. And it's, a, a lot of it is the reason, the reasons for that is because of what happened during COVID and continues to affect us even today. So in all of these things, what is the solution? Could Jesus possibly be the solution? Because Jesus is in heaven, how can he affect our lives today? How can he affect inflation? How can he affect peace in other nations? How can he affect the tension that I feel at home and the emotional stress that I'm having and the person that I know that committed suicide a couple weeks ago how, and their families and what they're going through. Can Jesus help that? And Jesus said, yes, I am the resurrection and the life. And, when, and one of the things that when we were studying these I am's of Jesus, the first thing that Jesus said is, I am the bread of life. And when he said, I'm the bread of life, the thing that he was trying to communicate to all of us was that he was concerned about the physical needs of humanity. And 
He did miracles to provide for the physical needs. He provided bread. Why did he provide physical bread? Because he wanted to demonstrate that there's something even more important than physical bread. There's spiritual bread. He said, I am the bread of life that comes from heaven. He who eats of me will never hunger. He who drinks of me will never thirst. But for him to say that, he had to meet a physical need. There are physical needs that all of us have, and Jesus is here to meet those physical needs because he wants to show us that he is the answer to not just our physical needs, but every spiritual need as well. Amen? So every single problem that we're facing, when Jesus said he is the resurrection and the life, do you believe this? He was ready to show not just the solution for the physical, but the spiritual as well. I want to call up uh, Elaine. Could you guys give a hand for Elaine? God shows us his faithfulness in all different types of ways. Sometimes it's spiritual, sometimes it's emotional, sometimes it's physical. But this is definitely a woman of God. And uh, she is the wife of Gary Thomas that came back safely from Afghanistan. And uh, we thank God for you know, bringing Gary home safely. But God has shown himself very real to Elaine in many different ways. And the grace that's on her life has been in the area of physical health. Not that she's always had an easy time physically, but God took a very bad situation and worked in her life to make it good. So could you guys give a hand for Elaine as she shares her story? Good morning. Um, Um, good morning. Okay. I accepted Jesus as my Savior at the age of 16. My relationship with Jesus from that day on for decades was to hang on to him for dear life. Um, most of the time, Jesus was actually hanging on to me. Pastor Eddie asked me this morning if I would share a testimony as it relates to my heart. From the age of 18 to 23, I had five surgeries mostly exploratory, and each one with a treatment plan that did not work. My last surgery was a double surgery, in which I had intestinal surgery, and I had one and a half ovaries removed. The doctor said he left a piece of an ovary so I would not go through menopause at the young age of 23. I wasn't quite ready to come up here. (laughs) Um, He also said I wouldn't be able to have any more children. Um, I thank God at the time I had a son, but that news just devastated me. My health deteriorated further, and the doctor wanted to do more exploratory surgery and test, and then he wanted me to also start seeing a psychiatrist. Um, It was at that point that I walked away from medicine not to return for almost 27 years, except to have my two um, daughters, um, who I affectionately call my miracle babies. But other than giving birth, I did not go back for a number of years. When I walked away from medicine, however, I walked into a health food store. Back then, it was a place, because that was a long time ago, It was a place where I just thought hippies hung out. 
But I was desperate. And to my surprise and relief, when I walked in those doors, I knew the lady from church. And it was the beginning of my journey. I was born with a defective heart valve. I've always had heart irregularities, but didn't know they weren't normal. I was rushed to the hospital as an infant for my heart, but nothing was revealed to me about it. My whole life began to make sense when I was finally diagnosed at 50 years of age and began to learn about this condition. During my first appointment with a cardiologist, after being hooked up to an EKG, the cardiologist told me that I had had a heart attack and that I was in danger of having another one. And of course, Gary was off on one of his trips <laughs> in Germany. Um, so I was scheduled for an echocardiogram the next morning. The echo revealed I had not had a heart attack, but I did have an extremely prolapsed um, mitral valve with severe mitral regurgitation. He said he would, I would need a new valve in about two years. as He did not think my valve could be repaired. So I had about two years to figure things out. That started cardiologist visits about every six months. Seven years later, my cardiologist wanted me to go to Queens and start the valve replacement process. When I was first diagnosed, I researched valve replacement, and what I saw almost scared me into a heart attack. At the time, they cracked open your chest and stopped your heart to, uh, repair, to uh, replace the valve. I think things have changed since then, and now they can go through a rib, so it's not as invasive. Um, but my hope is to take my last breath with the valve I was born with. I don't have time to go into details, but I became even more serious about strengthening my heart um, as I'd learned that I could live um, with this heart valve as long as my heart didn't enlarge and as long as I didn't go into congestive heart failure. I teach a series called Building Better Health Biblically, and I applied everything God had revealed to me over the years about building a healthy body and healthy heart, um, especially the herbs I felt he had provided when during creation. I also began to study everything the body had to say about healing through the word. I was once again hanging on to Jesus for life, but this time I was hanging on to Jesus, my Savior, and my healer. I opted to go to Tripler Hospital, and they had to rerun all the tests. In the beginning, they confirmed what my cardiologist had told me, but because of scheduling delays, I had an additional six weeks to work on my health and my heart um, before they could schedule this uh, cardiac MRI. By the last test, they told me I wasn't as bad as they thought, and I had about two years. That was nine years ago. I was born with a less than perfect body in less than ideal circumstances. I have more testimonies than just this physical body. Um, my heart isn't the only health challenge I have, and I've, I've, I've compounded things with some of the health choices I've made, especially when I was younger. I don't know what God has in store for me or for my less-than-perfect body. 
But I believe what Jesus says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where he says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Today, at 65 years young, I actually have more energy and vitality than I did when I was 23. And my EKG is much better now than it was when I was 50. Um, So through the years, with the ups and downs, I've learned how to take care of this body that God has given me. And if you're interested in hearing more, I'll be participating in the upcoming sem health seminar that Pastor Eddie is putting on um, called Taking Control of Your Health. Thank you. Amen. You know, she, she doesn't want to brag, but she actually has thousands of clients that she's worked with that have been healed of heart disease and diabetes and cancer and all different kinds of things and she had such a demand on her time in her life that she on living on the big island that she escaped here to Maui and she quietly started sitting in the back of our church and said that she wasn't going to talk to anybody about anything but this is a miracle her being up here and sharing her experience because you know there's going to be a lot of people talking to you now <laughs> that was I told my husband that's the number one reason I don't want to do this <laughs> But she will be at the health seminar, so if you guys want to come and hear her. Thank you so much for... Thank you. For, awesome. Can you help her? Down the stairs. Oh. God not, not only heals our physical bodies, but he also heals our spirit. Um, Mike... He's been in a part of our small group, the small group that, um, that we do on Wednesday nights, and uh, we've grown really close, and this guy could write a book. In fact, I, I was telling him this past week, you need to write a book of like, all the crazy stuff that you've been through in his life. Uh, but, but his journey started in a, a very humble beginnings, but uh, by, by the time I met him, he was uh, the vice president of Hilo Hatties, and uh, what was the other business that you were in charge of when you, you can come up. Why don't you guys give a hand for Mike? He was overseeing uh, over 20 stores, 200 some odd employees, or I don't know, I might be getting this wrong, 400 employees. Uh, business volume was in the close to 100 million, I think it was like 80 million or something like that. Um, and he was overseeing all of that. Um, God has blessed him in ways that you know, most of us will never experience, uh, but it wasn't always like that for it. wasn't always like that for him in his life, and uh, he had some really tough times as a child, and and had to overcome a lot of things. But God revealed Himself through divine appointments, um, and completely changed his life. So I, years ago, I asked him, "Would you share with the church what God has done for you?" And he's like, "No, it's like way too personal. It's like," and. This Easter Sunday, he said, I feel like God said for me to, sh to share. So thank you so much for coming up here and opening your life. But um, what, was, what was the beginning of your experience, and then how, how did it lead you to Christ? Well, I'll, I'll try to keep this uh, PG-13 um, best that I can. Uh, but actually, my, you know, my, my childhood um, was, was, a very, was a very dark time, very dark place. Um, 
Yeah, you know, my my, uh, my household was filled with, with witchcraft and divination, and that was encouraged. Uh, my mom was a alcoholic. Um, my dad was a warlock and is today. Um, yeah, and so it was just very dark in my household. You know, when my dad left, my mom was entertaining a lot of different people in our home, and... Um, and so, you know, my mom, you know, I was sexually abused by my family. I was sexually abused by my mom's friends. I was sexually abused in elementary school, um, along with my brothers and my sister. And our house was just a very dark place. Um, there was physical abuse, sexual abuse. Um, at, eight, at about eight years old, I was already drinking alcohol. Uh, to, to, to drown away my feelings like my mom did. Um, at 10 years old, I was smoking and doing drugs. By the time I was 12, I was already terrorizing the neighborhood. Uh, my brothers and I were stealing and, and doing things of that, of that nature. And so, you know, I was, I was filled with a lot of unforgiveness. I was filled with a lot of offense. I was filled with anger. Um, I wanted to, to hurt people like I was hurt. And it was, it was a very dark place in my life and in my house and in my soul. And then, and, you know, and that, that, um, that was where I was at and what was happening in my household. And, you know, a neighbor moved in across the street from us and invited me to church And at 14 years old. And I went to church and... That's when my life changed. I accepted that offer, and I went to church, and I met the Lord Jesus Christ there and realized that my life wasn't normal, and the things that were happening were not normal. And um, I met the Lord Jesus Christ there, and I accepted him as my Lord and my Savior, and I was baptized in the swimming pool. And from that point forward, my life changed. And my life was changed forever from, the, from that point forward. Um, I was able to, to let go of all those things. Christ took those things from me. He gave me life. He gave me a new life. Those things were gone. It was no longer part of my life. And I came to a point where I was able to actually forgive those people that hurt me, to forgive myself, accept forgiveness from the Lord, and then also to forgive those people that had harmed me and hurt me and stole my innocence. Um, that, that just you know, it gave me a freedom and a life. And that was at 14. By the age of 16, I had taken my clothing and a couple of things that I owned. I put them in a trash bag, and I left my house. So when I heard his story for the first time, I, I grew up in a Christian home. So I couldn't see the difference between having Jesus and not having Jesus. And when he shared about how his life completely flipped around, this is a testimony of the power of Jesus and the transformation from darkness to light. He's not just, you know, words on a page. He's not just something where we sing about and talk about, but he has no real application to our life. He changes life. He is the resurrection and the life. One of the things that um, Mike was sharing, and I, I think it was a, another, uh, it took time, because he doesn't just, God doesn't just change us, but um, one of the most significant things in the relationship that he had with his parents it's a miracle for someone to forgive their parents, but it's a whole nother miracle for someone to love their parent. 
that has abused them. And that was a milestone in his life that happened many years later. Well, how many years was it after yeah. that you um, began to actually love your, your parents that well, abused you? The Lord you? was doing amazing work in my life. And again, don't get me wrong, it was ups and downs and, and trials and tribulations. But, you know, it was at the age of 22 when I had my firstborn son, my oldest son, Zach. That's when I actually, it just struck me, it floored me. Um, because I never understood the love of God. I never understood how much he truly loved me and what that meant. I didn't know love. I didn't experience true love in my, growing up. And in that moment, though, I was just crushed that all of a sudden I'm responsible for this life. This is my firstborn son. This, this, it, was like, it just crushed me. And I realized that the love of God is, the, is exactly that. And then I thought, oh, my goodness, and the Lord gave up his only son for me? For me, really? I mean, I just floored me. And, I, and through that realization and that touch of God's hand and his love in my life, I actually then be able to get, got to the point where I actually, through the eyes of Christ and with the heart of Christ, actually love those people that hurt me, to actually pray for the people that hurt me, to pray for them, to pray for their families, to pray for their children, um, that, they, that, that they would come to know the Lord and they would come to realize the love of God and the love of, through Jesus Christ like I did, knowing that God loves everyone exactly the, exactly the same way. God's no respecter of men. His love is perfect. You can't earn it. It doesn't change. And he loves all of us exactly the same way. Amen. And in a room like this size, I know that there's probably a lot of people who have had challenges with their family who have walked through offense, who are struggling with unforgiveness, not just the ability to love their parents, but just to forgive them for things. What would be your encouragement to, uh, to those who are struggling with unforgiveness? Well, I would say, quite honestly, is that, you know, it's, it's you, yourself, that, you, that you're holding captive. You're holding that burden. It's you. You, 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 you. If you're dealing with unforgiveness and offense and anger, and anything else you may be struggling with, it actually is you personally that's, that's being held down, that's being tied up, that's stuck in that offense. That, you, you, that once you forgive, you'll be set free. Amen. Could you guys give Mike a hand? Mike, thank you so much for sharing. Actually, would you mind praying for our congregation? We're a little bit over time, but would you mind praying for our congregation and uh, those that are struggling with unforgiveness and um, things that have happened in their past or maybe just even in the past couple of years that, uh, that we would be able to come to Jesus who is our resurrection in life. Sure, thank you. Oh, Heavenly Father, I just, I just give you all glory and all praise. And Lord, we, I know that you've prepared hearts today for this message. We know, Lord, that you're moving in our midst. And Father God, I just, I just pray that every person that's being held in bondage through the lies of unforgiveness shame, anger, resentment, offense, whatever it may be, oh, Father God, that you would show them that you are the way and the truth and the life, that you are the light of men. You are the answer. You're the solution. You're the healer. I pray, Lord, Father God, that you would impress it upon their hearts now today. Show them, oh, Father God, who you are. Reveal your love to them, Father. And I pray, Lord, you'll do a mighty work in each and every one of them, in their hearts, in their lives, in their families, in their homes. Pray, Lord, your perfect peace that surpasses, that surpasses all understanding would fill them and touch them now as you, move in, as you move amongst us and in this place and in their hearts. 
I just lift every one of them up to you, Father God. And I know that you have a plan and a purpose for their life that was predetermined before they were ever born. And I pray, Lord, Father God, that they would step up, come in and walk in that plan and that purpose, that life that you've made especially for them. Pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you, sir. If you've never received Christ in your life, I just want to give you that opportunity right now. If you just close your eyes, bow your heads. If you haven't experienced Jesus as being your resurrection and your life, if you haven't experienced him and his delays are not his denials, if, if you've been praying and you've been seeking him and you haven't seen the breakthrough that you're looking for, that doesn't mean that he's denying you. Those delays are not de denials. God meets us at the perfect time with the perfect solution. So if you want to receive Christ into your life and walk with him and dedicate your life to him and, and declare your trust and surrender in him, I just invite you to say this prayer after me. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you that you are the resurrection and that you are the life. I receive you into my heart today to forgive me of my sins you said that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I receive you into my heart. I receive your life, and I receive your light to fill my darkness. I repent of my unforgiveness toward others. I release them now in Jesus' name. I declare forgiveness over their lives. And in the same way that I receive your forgiveness, I release that forgiveness to those who offended me. Come into my life. Walk with me. And show me your ways. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God, go with us for the rest of this week and for the rest of our days. Lord, help us to be light in our community. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. <laughs>